going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, Don't call it a comeback just yet, but the Dolphins are on a little bit of a winning streak. The Dolphins have won their last two games, the most recent coming over the Baltimore Ravens last Thursday night, 22 to 10 in front of the entire country watching. The Dolphins got a couple days to rest, savor the win, but they're back at it this week preparing for a divisional role game against the New York Jets on Sunday. And we're going to get into a lot of that as well as preview this Sunday's game. Uh, but I first want to introduce this week's guest. We have DJ BNMA from the New York Daily News. He covers the Jets. Uh, DJ, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. You know, I'm just getting ready for possibly the worst week of my life covering football. Live. <laughs> <laughs> and, and for the for the so, people that for the people that don't know why this might be a rough week for you, explain, explain. I am a tortured Dolphins fan, also. <laughs> Cover the Jets. So, you know, that conflict of interest is going to be um, apparent throughout the entire, um, the entire, you know, afternoon on Sunday. So, yeah. I, I know, I know uh, a lot of Jets fans have been giving you a lot of, at least early on, they were giving you a lot of heat for being a Dolphins fan, but I think you've been doing a great job. You know, not, you know, we all, uh, you know, might have different, you know, opinions and whatnot, but I feel like you've been doing a good job of not letting the, you know, potential or perceived bias affect your report. I think you've been very fair kind of on both aspects of it. And um, I think it's kind of, it's kind of cool too, that, you know, kind of for me last week, um, for somebody that covered the Ravens for two seasons, I was able to bring that insight into my reporting. And I feel like um, same with you, you're going to be able to bring a lot of insight into the Dolphins just from like watching the team your entire life and you know, seeing them up close. So um, definitely going to be an interesting week. Um, you know, these are two teams that are in the bottom of the AFC East standings. Um, but again, there's another opportunity for, you know, one team to kind of, you know, get ahead of the other and uh, kind of separate themselves in that aspect. But I, I want to start with um, just one aspect of the the Ravens game last week. I know it was a couple of days ago, um, but just something that I'm still just kind of confused about. And I want to bring you in to discuss this uh, was Brian Flores' handling of the quarterback situation last week. Um, you know, obviously, Tua didn't start the Texans game because of the fractured finger on his uh left throwing hand and then they're on a short week you know not as much time to rest that rest that finger he doesn't have first team reps so he's the uh backup he's active but he's the backup behind Jacoby Brissett and then Jacoby Brissett on the first drive of the third quarter he goes down with a knee injury uh so Tua gets thrown in there and it looks like Jacoby's able to play and you know Flores said that after the game but he rolls it as with Tua Tua obviously orchestrates that uh, that fourth quarter drive late in the game to kind of ice the game, separate uh, the team from the Ravens, and then go on to you know pull off one of the biggest upsets of the season. But it, I just feel like this was just another layer of like Flores' handling of the whole Tua situation, and it's like, I mean, Tua he wasn't great, but I thought he was fine. He got the job done, and I'm wondering like if Tua was you know first off if he was wasn't able to start, why was he active? But now that he is active and he was able to go out there and get the job done, throw the ball downfield when Flores said he wasn't able to, I'm thinking like, what is going on? Like, what is Flores doing? I mean, what are you, what were your thoughts on Thursday night and how that went down and overall how the Dolphins and Flores kind of handled to it? Bro, it's been first tour stuff, bro. Like, it's been since he um started last year. You know, benching him against the Broncos. Benching him against the Raiders, and then you know going into this year with the Sean Watson stuff, and then obviously as this year has gone on, you know what I'm saying like um, with the finger thing, where it's like oh we don't even make throws down the field. He literally gets out there and he makes a 35 yard throw down the field to Jalen Waddle. Like exactly, it's been it's it's been jarring, you know. Like I could understand if like Jacoby Brissett was like a capable backup, but like. Like what? Like what are we doing here? You know, like watching that game with Jacoby Brissett, like Tua would have broken. Tua would have broken neck. Would have been Jacoby Brissett. You know what I'm saying? Like I just didn't understand um, how you say, "Hey, you know, we don't know if he can make those on the field with the with the finger," and then he goes out there and he's able to make those. And it kind of understand if like Jacoby Brissett was also making throws down the field, but he made one throw down the field. Like he wasn't yeah, throwing to, to, to open receiver. Yeah. 
Yeah, like it wasn't like it wasn't like he was he was he was doing that. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, like I obviously you know you and I we talked on the Twitter spaces, and you've mentioned that like you know I, I had my question about Tua's ability to throw the ball down the field, but you always said like it's the offense. It comes down to the offensive line. They're not providing the time, which is a fair point. So like for you to be like, oh well, we don't know if Tua can make those down the field. Well, your offensive line is not going to be able to give anybody the afforded time to do that for the majority of the snaps. So um, it's just been weird from, like, I won't say from day one, but it's been weird since he's been the starter, just the handling of Tua. You know, I don't think, like, that's a conducive way to groom or develop a young quarterback. Yeah, and, I mean, something that, I guess, stuck out to me was uh, Flores, like, almost both cases, he's like, we want to save Tua from himself. Like, he – uh when Tua first fractured his ribs, it was, we want to save him from himself. He's fighting to be out there, da-da-da. Right. And then weeks later, you know, he kind of said the same thing. Hey, like, he, he wants to go out there and play. We want to save him from himself. And it's like, I almost feel like it's kind of like Laura's kind of emulating kind of like that Belichick way of uh, treating every position the same, no matter right. what position it is and no matter what the status of the player is. And it's like, yeah, I understand that, but I feel like you also have to have some sensitivity to the quarterback position. Um and we still, like, haven't even gotten, like, 16 full games of Tua, you know. Um, but, but again, it's like I just didn't really understand the, the, the decision to, like, make him active and not start. But then yeah. he, went out, he went out there, and then he was completely – I mean, he threw the ball more, more downfield than we've seen him, like, throw when he was healthy. So that was just kind of weird. Like Flora said, oh, we tried to, you know, we tried to change it up and make some shorter throws for Tua. It's like, nah, Tua was throwing the ball downfield, man. Um, and now it's like when Forrest came on Monday and said, yeah, Tua is going to be the starter on Sunday. I'm like, what changed over the past four days? Did Tua's hand finger just magically heal in four days where you're just completely ready to name the starter? Or was it like, oh, I've seen enough of Jacoby. We're just going to throw Tua out there. So that's just, a, I don't know, it's just really weird to me. I guess it doesn't matter now since Tua is starting. But again, I just thought the whole handling of the situation was kind of weird. It's been weird. It's been weird since he's been the starter. Um, I feel that a lot of the questions regarding Tua from a national perspective um, are because of Brian Flores. Like, I remember um, I was talking to one reporter, and um, he remembers saying he had a conversation with Brian Flores, and Brian Flores was kind of confused why, like, the national waves were making it seem like the Dolphins didn't believe in Tua. Dude, you benched him twice. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And this year, you're giving us all these reasons why you don't believe in Tua, but then you go out and you say you believe in Tua. My issue with Brian Flores is like, like he'll spit on our face and tell you, uh, tell us it's raining. Like, nah, bro, like you're out here lying to us. You feel me? Like when you say like, oh, Tua's our quarterback, but, but you're actively trying to go get Deshaun Watson. You know and, what I'm saying? And, Greer, like, and Chris Greer pretty much like, without saying Deshaun Watson's name, just said, yeah, we looked into trading for Deshaun Watson. It's like, I don't know whether that was – I mean, I'm glad he talked to us, but I'm like, I mean, I don't know how much better he came out of that literally saying, hey, we looked into trading for Deshaun Watson and tried to play it off as, oh, yeah, it was it was like our due diligence for any player that's available. Like, no, it wasn't. So it's different. You know, you can't, you can't treat – you got to treat the QB position a little differently with a little more sensitivity. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. I, I, complete, I completely agree that you didn't see the Bengals or the Chargers Doing granted, their their quarterbacks are a lot further along in terms of their development and like they're a lot more proven. But you didn't see them like, oh, you know, should we look into the Sean Watson? You didn't see the Cleveland Browns um looking into, oh, should we look into Sean Watson? Like, no, nah, like granted, like I understand like the Carolina Panthers looking in, I understand the Eagles looking at things like nature. And I understand from a business perspective why the Dolphins were looking into it. But again, like there's so much baggage outside of that. And you have all the leverage. Deshaun Watson wants to go to Miami. Yeah. He's only waived his no trade clause to y'all. Like, you guys could easily just wait this out until next season. You know what I'm saying? I'm getting a little more clarity and everything. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's going to, one, players aren't stupid. Like, they're not, it's not like they, they're not, they're not dinosaurs. They're not cavemen. Like, they're going to check their phone. They're going to see the rumors with social media. So, like, that's only going to help divide somewhat of the locker room where it's like, is this really our quarterback? Even though he says our quarterback, we could get to Sean Watson because he, he is an elite elite quarterback. But then you also got the legal out, you know, the legal stuff that has to take care of. Like, there's so much where you could just wait it. Because, yeah, you could have just waited 
until the off season. I do, I do believe that a lot of the smoke was coming from the Sean Watson's camp. I because, believe that as well. Yeah, yeah, because like, like you know, what I'm saying like they're, they're trying to force something. So of course, like a lot of it's probably coming from his camp. But like, it's not like the Dolphins weren't also engaged in those conversations. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they like I said, Greer tried to make it seem as, hey, like we were just kind of doing our due diligence as if we do any other random third string defensive tackle that just got let it go. Like, no, this was a lot different. Um, mm-hmm. and, and again, they, it was something that they could have, if they really, I mean, obviously they, got, obviously they do have to do their due diligence and look into it, but it was something where, I mean, they really could have uh, waited it out till the offseason and not really forced their hand, especially with the uncertainty of the legal situation. But all, all of that aside, you know, we, we put that kind of to bed once the trade deadline passed. And I want to go back to Tua specifically. As someone who I will say has not been the biggest Tua supporter over the past two seasons. Um, and, I mean, we've gotten you know, a couple of games. I don't even know how many games we've gotten because he's, he's missed three games or he's missed four games and then came in the middle of another game. But, and got knocked out of another game. But regardless, I mean, from what you've seen in spurts this year of Tua, have you – maybe been encouraged? Do you still have reservations? What are your thoughts? Um, I mean, make sure I'm, make sure I'm careful with my words. <laughs> <laughs> so last year I was all in on Tua. Like I, I won the Dolphins draft Tua. I was all in on it. I was encouraged by some of the stuff I saw last year. Um, this year, uh, the injury stuff has really concerned me because again, like that's one position where you need your guy to be out there. I mean, and granted, it's, it's not his fault. He can't control, you know, uh, um, a defensive end breaking his ribs when you have Jesse Davis whiffing. A lot of that was also like the poor management of the offensive line. Uh, real, my- quick, real quick, I must point out that the Dolphins, both of the Dolphins' offensive tackles, have gotten the quarterbacks hurt now. Jesse yeah. Davis, his missed block got to a put on our refraction ribs. <laughs> and Liam Eichenberg's missed block on I forgot on Justin Houston, I believe, got Jacoby with a with a little knee. And it looks like Jacoby's gonna be fine. But I feel like that is like the biggest indictment of this offensive line that both of their tackles have gotten both quarterbacks hurt this season. But I'm sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh it it was kind of my homeboy, he was at the game, and it was kind of crazy that once Jacoby got hurt, like the crowd went crazy. Like that. <laughs> That yeah, they, 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 I mean, that that crowd from like drive two was like ready for two to go in. Like they were, yeah. they were like, we want two, but like they were ready for two. <laughs> they, they did not come to that game and see Jacoby Brissett. Bro, it was, it was my, my homeboy called me. He was like, he, well, he, I think he was just like, yeah, once, you know, once uh, Jacoby got hurt, the crowd was like, whoa, two, one. Oh man, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad Jacoby's feeling good, but I'm glad it wasn't a serious injury. But yeah, like they were. There was a little bit of like, hey, like we hope Jacoby's okay. But as soon as like Tua put his helmet on and they showed Tua on his screen, it was like, all right, let's go. So they were definitely ready for Tua to go in that game. So my only, like, I, I believe that Tua does a lot of the quarterback stuff, right? I feel like he has good, he has good footwork. You know, obviously, he's still learning how to read defenses. He's getting better at that. I think he has good accuracy. Um, I would like for him to be better when it comes to throwing against pressure, um, because I mean, this is the NFL. You got to be able to deal with it. Um, but my biggest concern is how, how long do we have to wait before it all comes together for Tua? Um, because like he, he doesn't have the arm strength to be able to overcome, um, you know, and below average off his line, doesn't have the arm, like the overall talent to be able to escape and make plays when things aren't perfect for him. You know what I'm saying? Um, cause he may like, like, if you watched him at Bama and you watch him now, he lost some arm strength. I don't know how that's even, like, debatable. Like, there's certain throws that he was making at Bama that he's just not making uh, again. You know, I've, heard, I've heard that, too. I've, I've yeah, heard like, that well. like the throw against um, – the throw that put him on the scene against Georgia, that covered two hole shot. Like, I haven't seen a throw like that since. Like, like in terms of, like, um, the velocity that came on that throw, like, he, I think he can still get it out there. But in terms of like being able to like fire it in a hole with the distance and the velocity, because it ain't always about okay, hey, how far can you throw it? Because yeah. if you put it all, if you put all your might into it, you can you can get it down the field fifty, maybe fifty five yards. But it's more can you fit it into tight windows and then that's anticipation the, as well, you know, the timing. Yeah. yeah. Another thing, you know, what I'm saying like he can't be late with, with anticipation. Uh, anticipation. So my issue is more like 
um, would he like will he be able to overcome those things? And you know, can the Dolphins be able to put an offensive line around him that can you know lessen some of the pressure that will get put on? Because I mean, like as you you've made a great great point, you can't play behind that offensive line. Most quarterbacks will struggle behind that offensive line. Like there's no if ands or buts about that. Um, but again, like Tua hasn't been good under pressure. Like get coordination stats. Um, he has a pass rate of 35 when he's under pressure. You know what he's I'm saying? Under pressure a lot, man. <laughs> yeah, he is. He is. But, when he, but here's the thing, though. When he's not under pressure, he has a pass rate of 102 according to next-gen stats. You know what I'm saying? Like, seven touchdowns, two interceptions. You know what I'm saying? Complete percentage of 70. Um, but under pressure, you know, it's 47%, and it's 35 uh, pass rate. And, and granted, most quarterbacks do dissipate once they're under pressure. But, like, I'm trying to figure out how much if it's, like, there's, there's all pressure ain't, you know, uh, all pressure ain't equal, right? Like pressure, like some pressure around your feet, you know what I'm saying? Like you might be under a little bit of pressure, but that's not like a guy completely missing a block. And now you have a six foot five, 280 defensive pound, pound lineman coming at your neck. You know what I'm saying? Like those are not equatable. So, um, I do, I do think that, um, Thursday was encouraging. It was encouraging. Um, I I him out there. I do feel like Tua can be a good quarterback. I have no question about that. But can he be great? I don't know if he can be great with that arm. Um, that's my only preservation because it's a, it's. Let's be honest. It's a below average NFL arm. I, I guess you know, and, I, and I was, I've spoken about this a lot over the past couple. Shoot, and I've been here for a couple months now, three months. Uh, time flies. Um, <laughs> I feel like what it's starting to boil down to me is like. Uh, regardless of the circumstances, there's two getting it done. Um, and I felt like Thursday night was kind of one of those examples of like, well, it, it was weird just from the beginning because it was the starting. But it was like he was thrown in there. He had a lead, happened to, had an opportunity to, to seal the game. Did he get it done? He did. You know, he mm-hmm. wasn't perfect. He was 8 of 15, but he made some big throws. He was able he to galvanize the, the offense. And mm-hmm. I feel like still, I feel like he's producing in spite of this offense, you know? Yes. In spite of the offensive line, in spite of no running game, in spite of multiple pass catchers on IR in and out of the line. I feel like he's 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 performing well in spite of it all. And I and I agree with you that there might be a, a slimmer margin for error with Tua because he doesn't he he doesn't have the physical traits of, you know, a guy that we're gonna talk about later, Zach Wilson or you know, Lamar who he flipped faced. But again, I feel like he he's winning in spite of it. And um Kind of something that, you know, I know we we're talking in the Twitter spaces last week and I brought up to other people. It's like, do you think that if surrounded with the right infrastructure, do you think Tua can be like a top 15 quarterback? And I think most people were like, yeah, Tua can be a top 15 quarterback. And then I was like, do you think you can win a Super Bowl with a top 15 quarterback? And most people were kind of divided. They were like, yeah, yeah, but then it's like, it becomes a little more dicey. And I was like, okay, I understand that. But if we haven't seen him, you know, I'm not even talking about an average supporting cast. I mean, right? He's he's surrounded by a below average supporting cast. So, and again, we haven't even seen him play 16 full games. So, was it really fair to cast right. judgment? I mean, I'm I'm looking at Jalen Hurts, and Hurts was kind of struggling the first couple games of the season. And I was just watching ESPN, and they said he was like as a top QBR in the past three weeks. I mean, he's, yeah. he's looking good. So it's like. We live in such a microwave society that it's like if you're not Patrick Mahomes, if you're not perfect off the bat, you know, in the first month of you starting, it's like you're a scrub and they got to get rid of you. But it's like yeah. two is far. And you say yourself, he's far from a, a finished product. And he hasn't even been surrounded by quality quality, yeah. quality talent. I mean, imagine if he gets like an actual – I mean, he, they're already good in the short game. Cause that's what they have to do. But imagine if they actually get an offensive line that can block consistently and they can start throwing down the field and they can actually use Jalen Wilder right way. I mean, just imagine. Again, I do yeah. think that Tua has to improve. I do think that he has limitations. But again, you know, and, and again, not no no quarterback has the perfect structure. You know, no no quarterback is 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 has the perfect environment around them. But have we? Is this is this a really is this really the supporting cast that we're gonna we're gonna use to judge Tua? That's that's what I'll say. Yeah, I mean, no, nah, uh, those those are those are fair points. Um, because it's important. I mean, the offensive line. See that you know when you mentioned the um 
when you mentioned, you know, me being a Dolphins fan covering the Jets, I remember before the season, just before you got to the Herald, it was like, you know, during that dead period where, like, there's nothing to write about. Um, so I did, like, a ranking across the AFC East, um, just each position group. And I remember, like, when I did the the Dolphins, I had realized that, like, I, ha- I had their weapons number two behind the Bills, mm-hmm. but I, I didn't realize that, like, obviously I put the offensive line last. I put the running game, I think, last. And I should have realized that when you have a, like a bottom tier offensive line and a bottom tier running game, and you know obviously a running game is bottom tier because of the offensive line, that you know I should have anticipated that there's going to be a lot more struggles for Tua health wise and production wise because it's just it's hard to play in this NFL without a at least average offensive line. Nobody's asking the offensive offensive line to be like elite. We're just saying be average because at least when it's average you have more opportunities to do certain things. You know, you have more opportunities to throw the ball down the field. Like, you'll have – like, Tua only has 15, 18 tenths um, beyond 20 yards. You know what I'm yeah, saying? They're like not, They're not really – they're not throwing it downfield, man. Like, they're not. They're not even trying to throw it downfield. Right, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, actually, my bad. That was Brissett. Tua had oh, 13. Brissett. Yeah. Brissett had, Tua has 13. You know what I'm saying? So, really, you could find both of those. Like whatever that number is, you know we're journalists, not math math wizards. <laughs> I think it's thirty-one. I think it's, it's thirty-one. 31. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, like that. That goes back to the offensive line, and sometimes not giving it, providing enough time to where you can uh, push the ball down the field. So, you know, you make some good points about like Tua not having had the requisite pieces to be able to de- to develop from on you know on the field from teammates' perspective, from a coaching staff. He's on his second. He's on his second slash third offensive coordinator. I, like, know who's, I still don't know who's calling a play. They say it's Gatsy, but I'm not sure, man. <laughs> I still don't know who's exactly. calling a play. It seems so dysfunctional. His receivers keep getting hurt. You know, like, well, Fuller's hurt. Like, I'm big on, like, let's not make all the excuses for, for quarterbacks. But, like, there's excuses and then there's reasons for exactly. why going on. Like, you know, he's he well, Fuller's only played two games. Um, Devontae Parker's played, like, what, three games for Tua? Maybe, yeah, maybe three games or two. I don't know. Um, uh, what's it called? Preston Williams has only played. I mean, he's, he's barely played any games with Tua. Like, and even he's played when he, even when he's active. I mean, he barely got any snaps the past couple games. So yeah, well, yeah. Like this, the receiver quite could be a strength, but that's kind of dissipated because due to injury and things of that nature. So like, man, it's it's been uh, they're they're limited offensively. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it seemed better on paper, but they're kind of limited. Starts with offensive line. Yeah. Uh, up with the running game, also the running game. Like, there's not a lot of like blue chip type of type of talents outside of like Jalen Waddle and you know Mike Gesicki, maybe you know. Exactly. Yeah. I, I like Parker though. Par- Parker when he's healthy, he he's a baller when he's healthy. But, he's that he's that he's that big catch catch radius that two needs. I mean, they have a speed guy, they have an intermediate guy in Gesicki, but I think that they they're really missing like a guy who two can just throw it up to, and he's accurate too. So it's like yeah. if you throw it around Devontae, he's gonna come down with it, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, before we get to a quick break, I do want to I do want to bring up something. I, I know I shouldn't be saying this. We're a three and seventeen, but you know, a lot of people have been talking about the schedule, the road ahead. The Dolphins have won two straight. They're three and seven. The next four games are against the Jets, the Panthers, I believe, and then the Giants. Then they play the Jets again after the bye week. Those teams are a combined twelve and twenty-five. Is there any chance? The Dolphins can get on a little little winning streak, continue the winning streak, and get to five hundred. I mean, because if, if you get to five hundred with uh, three games left, I mean, anything is possible, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, if they if they win this week, I'm all I, I'm all in on the playoff push. But they got to win this week. Um, my issue is they play. If they, let's say hypothetically they beat the they beat the Jets, right? Yeah. Which I don't – I'm good right now. Uh, I'm split. I don't know if they're going to be the Jets. I'll have my answer by the time you ask me later on. <laughs> uh, the Panthers have a fantastic defense. Yeah. Like, that is going to be a bloodbath. Um, they might They. They might be – They might. they'll get after Tua. Uh, the Giants, they have a decent defense. They have a decent defensive line. The Jets again, Titans again. The Saints, like everybody from here on out, has a good front seven. Uh, the Jets, I mean, the Jets, they have a good front seven when they decide to play. So my thing is like, if the O line is stated the way it is, you know, you, you we're gonna get that hope, 
and then eventually it's going to dissipate because there's going to be one game where the offensive line gets completely, uh, um, you know, destroyed, and it's going to result in a hell. So I do yeah. think they'll, win. I do think they'll beat the the Patriots in Week 17, though. Really? Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you're not, you're not high on the Patriots right now. You think, you think they're, uh, you think we're blowing smoke with them? Yeah, I think, I think much. we're blowing smoke up there, up there, but I, think, uh, <laughs> I, I think in terms of like people think they're like. People talk about them as if they're real contenders. No, they're not real contenders. Like, they're not real contenders. They're, but is they're, anybody I, in the AFC outside of, like, the Titans and the Bills and maybe the Ravens or any other – is any team a real, real contender? I mean, every every AFC team has, like, a bad loss at this point. Yeah, I know. Too. I mean, but to me, they're not better than the, the Bills, the Ravens. Um, Titans. The, the Titans, the Titans. They're not better than those three teams. So, like okay. – like no team ever goes deep in the playoffs for the most part with a rookie quarterback. Like I, only, I can only think of one. That might be Big Ben when they won. Like they went like fifteen to one, but then they end up losing. Like I mean, your team, your, your team you cover right now: the Jets, Mark Sanchez, the Ravens, Joe Flacco back in the the late two oh, yeah, thousands, right, early right, right. But like that, those are anomalies. Like that happens rarely. That happens so rarely. So and those two teams had dominant. Not good. Dominant defenses, like first in the NFL type stuff. So, all right, we're getting off track. At least I got you. I got you on the record. You said that if the Dolphins beat the Jets this weekend, you, you you're gonna you're gonna perk your ears to some playoff talk. Um, yeah, but but you know I, I hate to I hate to channel my inner flow on this one, but you know we got, we got to take it one day at a time. <laughs> but uh we're gonna see this sunday we're, we're gonna take a short break but but on the other side of things we're gonna we're gonna talk jets what's going on with zach wilson that defense and then preview sunday's game so stick with us when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply I'm still here with DJ from the New York Daily News. Uh, we've had a good first half talking uh, to uh, Dolphins, last week's big win. And as we move into this weekend's game against the Jets, uh, it's a really interesting matchup. I mean, the, the Dolphins have been uh, – they, 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 I mean, sorry, the Jets, uh, they, they've been struggling these past couple weeks. Um, you know, a blowout loss to the Bills who, I mean, of course, the, I mean, the, the class of the AFC East right now, one of the best teams in the AFC, but – um, yeah, forty-five to seventeen loss. Um, this defense has really, really been struggling, and I think that that might be the most surprising part for you. I mean, you know, we were just talking about uh, in Miami, the Dolphins' defense was going through struggles. They have a defensive minded head coach in, in Brian Flores, but with Robert Sala, I mean, you would think that that's the one thing that they would have right. Uh, I guess from your perspective, what's been going on with this defense, man? Um, so it's a combination of a lot of things. Um, one most important thing, they just don't have the horses, like. They they just do not have the horses. Like, cause when you when you look at their their starting eleven, how many guys will start on other teams? The only people that I can like legit like on a lot of other teams. Let's say like let's go like half or even 20, 20 NFL teams. Um, like most most wouldn't even like if you want to reverse it. Let me reverse it. Like how many will start on ten NFL teams? Like most I, would. I like I like I like Quentin Williams and CJ Mosley. Those are like the only two. Mosley. Yeah, those two would start on a lot of on like on like on half NFL teams. That those are only two. I'm like like no no brainers. Like CJ Mosley, you can play for the Dolphins right now, and he'll be their best middle linebacker. Quentin Williams, Quentin Williams, with with, with Raekwon Davis, that'd be nice. That'd be nice. (laughs) But that I think that that that's the main issue. Like there's not that many difference makers. Like yeah, you got John Frick and Myers, who's a solid. he puts an end. He deserved his money. You'll never, ever hear me ever say, like, a guy don't deserve his money. Go get your bag, young man. Um, but he's been a solid player. Uh, but that's about it. You know, like, Bryce Hall, he's a solid corner. Um, but he's not a game changer. Um, he'll get some PBUs here and there. But if you want to go at him, you can go at him. And then on the other side, like, at the other corner spot, like, it's, like, if you want to throw to the left side, you can, it's, you can, you can throw it with ease. You know what I'm saying? Like, Brandon Echo is a six-round pick out of Kentucky. Who, who just got hurt, so he'll be out. 
but like people had success throwing at him. Now you got Javin uh, Gidry who has speed, but he's five foot nine. So like, like he can have tight coverage, but if you throw it back shoulder or you throw jump ball, you'll be able to have success. Like if I was, if I was Devontae Parker plays and I am Dolphins offensive coordinator, I'm throwing a lot of jump balls to Devontae Parker on the left side of the field because they don't, since Bryce Hall is their best corner, but they don't travel. They don't have their corners travel. Yeah. So that's going to be a mismatch right there. You know what I'm saying? If you have people travel. Um, but the secondary, you know, safety spots, Ashton Davis, Marcus Majors got hurt, so they placed him with uh, uh, Wilson. Yeah, I think it's uh, Gerard Wilson. That's who they replaced him with. But, like, I'm big on you need players to make plays. You know what I'm saying? Like You can scheme it all you want, but you got to have some You got to have some players about the day. I said in a Twitter space the other day, they asked me, like, what do you think is more scheme or player? And I said, like, if you go to a restaurant and you ask them to cook you a five-course meal, but the, but the ingredients are just a bunch of crayons, are they going to be able to create you a five-course meal? No, they're not going to be able to create you a five-course meal. And I think that's been one of the issues is just, like, lack of overall talent. Um, I knew it was going to be a rough year defensively. Like, like, I knew early in the year that was a lot of mirage because based on the film, like, it was just teams not taking over. Um, not taking up, they not executing against their defense. But I remember at training camp against the Packers. Granted, that's Aaron Rodgers in that offense, but they tore that defense up in joint practices. The Eagles, who don't have a prolific offense right now, like it, it's it's spurters at times. They tore up the Jets defense in training camp, and I get it, training camp, whatever, yada yada yada. You can't, you know, you know, it's whatever. But I remember in the preseason game against the Packers in training camp, uh, the preseason game. The Packers didn't play their first or second string. The third string offense scored touchdowns on the first two drives. So I'm like, all right, this defense is not going to be good this year. But I did not expect it to be as bad as it is now where they're giving up. They've given averaging, you know, teams are scoring 43 points per game on them in the past four. So some of that obviously is players, and some of that is also scheme. Like they don't really make a lot of good in-game adjustments um, that, I, that I've been noticing. You know what I'm saying? Like teams are able to kill them on play-action game. Like what I mean, kill them, kill them. Like they've been one of the worst teams against play-action because teams know that they're an aggressive downhill team. So, you know, get into a you know, big boy package where you got two tight ends or running back, run a play-action, boom, you're going to get uh, C.J. Mosley flowing left. You're going to get Jared Davis flowing left. You're going to get Kyle Phillips flowing left, and then, boom, you can play-action. Um, play-action, boom, you're going to have somebody wide open. That's what the Colts did. That's what the Patriots did. That's what the Bills did. I think Josh Allen threw over 300 yards off of play-action. Last week, I just let you know. You know what I'm saying? Like you can, like there, there, there. There's also like scheme issues in that aspect to where like teams are consistently picking on one aspect of you, and they they can do it with success. And then obviously the run defense is abysmal. Like that's that's what's kind of frustrating is because that D line was supposed to be one of like you know the the strong point of their of their defense. Yeah. The defense runs through the D line. That's how solid runs it. But like. Teams can run on them. They've only held one team under 100 yards. You know, with Joe, you know, the Bengals, but they've only held one team under 100 yards. Everybody else, it's been you know, everybody eats when it comes to running against the Jets. Like last everybody week, everybody eats me. <laughs> yeah, me. Like they, the Bills ran for four touchdowns uh, uh, last week, and obviously the Colts ran for uh, 260 against the uh, 260 yards against the Jets. So it's literally all bad right now. You know, my um, my dog Charles McDonald was like, he tweeted out like. If this keeps going, like, do you consider canning Robert Sala after one year? I mean, obviously, I don't think that they would or they should. But, like, he, he compared it to the, the Cardinals situation. Like, their defense, I mean, they weren't good that year, and it, it looked bad, and they got rid of him. I don't think they'll get rid of Sala. But, like, again, like, as you mentioned, if your calling card is defense, your defense sucks, then, you know, that's something that, you know – um, you're, 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 that, that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing, to say the least. So, so, so I hear, I hear everything you're saying. And, and I got this stat that says the Jets have allowed 175 points in the last four games. And it's the second most points allowed in a four game span since the 1970 AFL NFL merger. Yes. So, what you're saying is two in the Dolphins offense is good for a 30 piece on Sunday. I mean, that's what you're saying, right? No chance. <laughs> no chance of a 30 piece. Bro, that O-line is terrible, bro. Like, what? Man, listen. That O-line is terrible. There is no way they're going to be able to put up 30 points, bro. Like, 
no way whatsoever. Because, like, you know, I don't want to say cliches, but it's me cliche. You know, the Jets, they're going to come out fighting hard. They're going to, you know, be, uh, they're going to play, they're going to play a little bit better. Because I will give them, you know, I, to the defense, they've played some really good teams in the past few weeks that have explosive offenses. Um, the Patriots, to an extent, have, you know, they've, they've been able to produce explosive plays. The Colts can produce explosive plays. The Bills and uh, the Bengals, they produce explosive plays. Dolphins can't produce explosive plays like that. They, they did last week, though. They did. And I know, uh, I know, right. I know there were some busted coverages, but they did. They did. They did. But, I, you know, I mean, you know, they did. But, like, the Jets don't really have a lot of busted coverages. What happens is, like, they you know, yeah, dudes just get beat, you know, but. For for that to happen, for you to get beat down the field, what gotta happen? You gotta run the ball, and you gotta do play action, and you gotta and you got and the O line gotta do what? You gotta block. I don't think the O line can spell block right now. Yeah, yeah, they they, they still struggling. And bro, I, I saw like a PFF stat that are like they've given up like two hundred something pressures, and that was like almost a hundred more than like the second. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. You know, I'm saying second most team. I'm like, bro, how? How is the offensive line that bad? So let me ask you this. When we're talking about the offensive line, and you know, because that basically is your question. That's why I don't think the Dolphins put up that many points because of the offensive line. What do you think is the biggest issue? Like, like what do you, do you think is coaching or do you think it's just um, drafting the wrong players? Like, what do you think has been the biggest issue from that perspective? Man, that's a really good question because I wasn't here last year, so I wasn't able to, like, I wasn't covering the team last year, so I wasn't able to, like, I can't really speak to, like, personal knowledge of, like, seeing it up close. But all the stats show that this was like, like a, like a below average to maybe to maybe bottom third offensive line. But by no means was it like the worst offensive line in the NFL. And by every metric, this is like at least pass blocking. This is like the worst offensive line in the NFL. Right. Um, and I think that it's fair to question some of the picks that Greer has made. But they also have invested so much in the offensive line. I mean, they drafted Austin Jackson in first uh, first round, twenty twenty. They got Liam Eikenberg. I think the second or third round, they got Robert Hunt in the first three rounds. I mean, the third round pick. Uh, it's not for lack of trying. And I do. And I mean, this is like pretty easy to say, but I think it is like a mixture. I mean, they have a first year offensive line coach um, who is. I mean, he was just in the NFL a couple of years ago, and now he's like you know finally get an opportunity to be an offensive line coach. Um, I think that they definitely would be helped by having a more better guy in there. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, Liam Eikenberg just has not looked good at all. Like he, he's, he's regressed at left tackle. And it's crazy right. that he's looked this bad because he was such a good left tackle at Notre Dame. And that's not to say that, yeah, if you're good in college at left tackle, you're going to be good in the NFL. That's not true. But to see the way he's regressed, it has not really improved at all. It's been like alarming. And I'm almost thinking like, is guard like his best spot? I, mean, I thought he was. I thought he was okay to below average at right tackle, but he has like been bad at left tackle. And it's like this team, this team has like one poss- possible tackle, and that's Robert Hunt, and he's been like good at guard. So you can't move him because that's like the one spot you've actually got down. Um, so they're gonna have to go back to the drawing board. They're gonna have eighty million dollars in cap room. They gotta throw some money at somebody. They might have to draft another two offensive linemen. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when you look at, like, the lack of development in some of these guys, I mean, I do have to question coaching a bit. There is the potential that they just maybe didn't get the right guys. I mean, Austin Jackson was supposed to be a left tackle. He's looked better at left guard. Um, so maybe, you know, I do have to point fingers at the front office, but I also have to point the finger at coaching and say, hey, you had a lot of these guys last year, and they got worse, you know. That's, yeah, no, that, that, that's a good point. I think it's a, yeah, it's a combination of both. I don't, I don't think it's all Greer and all flow, but – at the end of the day, it's all it's, it's it's a combination of of the two. So, with the offensive line being that bad, you got Quentin Williams, you got John Frankie Myers, you got Sheldon Rankins, you got Foley from the Jets, you got that you know Dolphins fans are familiar with Shaq Lawson. Like yeah. when you have guys, like they'll be able to, they should have success against this 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 defensive uh, this offensive line. If they don't, um, I'm writing the column uh, ripping. <laughs> They can't. But I will say this. I will say this. Um, this is, I mean, on paper, this is a good defensive line. However, they haven't played up to their standards as of late. Like it's, like it's kind of, it's, it's getting a little bit alarming because um, 
I believe that their bottom, their bottom tier in terms of quarterback pressures. Yeah. Top 10. So like the blitz percentages in the top 10, you know what I'm saying? So uh-huh. when they send just four, they haven't been able to get there. And I think as a combination though, of like teams being able to hit them a quick game, teams being able to, okay, we're going to leave seven in. We might leave eight in. And we're going to let our guys on the outside win because I ain't gonna lie. Like you got your, you can win on the outside against the jets. Like, especially if you want to just go left, you can win out there. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, um, so I think that 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 that's been an issue, but uh, we'll see, man. It's you know as we talk, it's bad on bad, right? A bad O line, a bad offense versus a bad defense. Something's got to give. Yeah, and you know I was I was kind of speaking tongue in cheek about the thirty piece, but the over under is forty five. So Vegas isn't really high on any of these teams scoring more than like twenty four points. Um, mm-hmm. But I can't I can't go uh, the entire show without you know giving a shout out to the Dolphins defense though. Um, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I was, you know, and and I think that again. I mean, I'm not sure if Zach Wilson will play. Whether it'll be Mike White, the legend, or um, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, Joe Flacco. I'm just kidding. I just say that. <laughs> I, I just I just say that facetiously because uh, you know, I'm from Baltimore. He delivered the city a championship. But um, yeah, I gotta I gotta definitely give a shout out to the Dolphins defense. Um, I mean, as somebody that covered Lamar Jackson for two two seasons, I mean, I haven't. That's, that was one of like the best overall game plans that I've seen. Um, and I mean, I guys, I think that defense is back for real. Um, yeah. Back to the 2020 form. And, and again, I, kind of going back to what we kind of just kind of joke around about the playoff talk. I mean, if they play that well, I mean, I don't even say that well, but if they continue to turn the ball over at the rate that they are and to play around that level, I mean, the margin of error for that offense, you know, really, really wide. I mean, I think that was the issue earlier in the season that, um, you know, not only was the offense struggling and they were kind of regressing, but the defense regressed too. So it was like nothing else, nothing was, nothing was shaking, nothing was going right. But when you have the defense playing that well, I mean, you can kind of get away with a couple three and outs, maybe a turnover here and there. Um, And again, I think that that defense is really going to, really dictate whether you know they do maybe get back into the playoff picture or you know just even get to 500 um and again i mean i think that they're gonna have a big game uh you know on sunday regardless of who's starting what do you think yeah um the way they've been playing bro the last three weeks i mean they 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 contained josh allen until the fourth quarter um and i'm mean, just more like you know i think the bills made adjustments they started feeding cold beasts a lot more and um they were able to you know eventually score a couple of points, you know, a couple of touchdowns late in the game. Um, but they they held Josh Allen, that offense, you know, they held him down, obviously shut down Lamar. Um, Tyra Taylor is not like an elite quarterback, but um, they were able to contain him too. So, I mean, they've been playing well recently. Um, and then with the Jets, um, I think it'll probably be Zach Wilson. Um, I You know, Zach Wilson's been out. See, here's my Here's my concern. We're putting Zach Wilson back out there. If he's not like like if he's not all the way 100 percent healthy or close to it, the Dolphins are gonna heat him up. Like last week, they're gonna heat him up regardless. <laughs> to be honest, they're gonna heat him up regardless. Exactly. Like they blitzed on 51 percent of Lamar Jackson's dropbacks uh, last week, according to Next Gen stats. Mm. And Zach Wilson has not been good against the blitz this year. He's a rookie, so that that that's normal. Like he has a pass rate of 56, right? And when Zach was out there this year. He was not like he he had moments like the Tennessee Titans game was a moment. Um, he's had some throws like there's some throws against the Panthers where they was like oh, or some throws against the Falcons where it was like oh, but then it was also throws where it was like bro, what are you doing? Like he's been a every, rookie essentially. Exactly, he's a rookie by every but like by every metric, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL by every metric. So you can go counting stats analytically. Completion percentage, passer rating, QBR. You can go by any stat you want to go by and be like, yo, he's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the league. But again, he's a rookie and it's more part of the, the this is this is the normal developmental process for rookie quarterbacks. Not the Justin Herbert, the Joe Burrows, Baker his first year, Baker's mid now, but Baker's first year. Um, so he's been one of the he's been, you know, he's he's struggled. Like it's been rough. But you know, him sitting on the bench, I want to see what he learned. Cause a lot of times it was just him not taking what the defense gave him. Cause there's a time we could just check it down and get the ball. You know, if the first read's not there, get the ball out. Um, but then also, man, I don't, I don't like, I don't like the, the Jets receiver against the Dolphins defensive backs. I don't, I don't like it. Like 
Corey Davis is a one B, more like a two. Um, I think um, Howard should have you should have success against Corey. I do think Corey catches fair share of passes against Howard. Um, um, Nick Needham against Crowder. I do like Crowder in that matchup. But then like Elijah Moore against Byron Jones. I, I like Byron Jones in that matchup. Not that Byron Jones is is like fantastic, but like Byron Jones is a bigger cornerback and he can run with Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore, like that's his next maturation uh, process. Being like a smaller receiver, playing on the outside, being able to win against bigger cornerbacks. Because yeah. um, there was a play against uh, he drew an offensive pass interference. Um, Mike White threw a fade ball to him. Um, I think he was going against Levi Wallace, and he just couldn't create any separation. He pushed off a little bit. You know, he got that. Um, he got a, a, a offensive pi. Um, he didn't make a play later on in the game where he went up and, and snagged the ball on on a fade route, which was, was was which was impressive. But there are other plays I remember. Um, Tre'Davious White. Jay, I'm talking about try to put him in the cooler on, and, and off the line and on and I think Elijah ran like a curl route, but like he got no separation. You know what I'm saying yeah. on that play specifically. Um, and I think he had like one of his lowest yard per separation. Um, let me yard uh, separation yardage per whatever you you know the stuff I'm talking about. Yeah, separation um, yardage separation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had one of his lowest of the year against the Buffalo Bills. Um, so he's still learning how to handle you know when people are pressing him. You know what I'm saying? Like, he can still make plays. Like, he's still a tremendous talent. But I do, at this point, like Byron Jones over that. And then obviously, you got uh, the the boy out of Oregon. He's been balling lately. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. He's been balling. You know what I'm saying? Brandon Jones has been coming along. And again, when we talk about the blitz thing, the, the Jets' offensive line has had issues picking up stunts and picking up disguised blitzes. Like, yeah. they struggle with that because like their communication ain't that great like it is what it is it just ain't that great i remember at like, the first drive like the bills sent five but like they only they they sent five but like they had like a db lined up over the slot and then like like he he um he blitzed um yeah, he, yeah, he lined up over yeah over the slide he blitzed but like the dn on the outside at left tackle he crashed inside and i believe george Fant just went with that dn and then boom here comes that that um, I think it might have been a safety. It might have been either Hoyer or or Poyer. I mean, no, it might have been Poyer or Hyde. I forgot which one it was. But boom, pressure right in Mike Mike White's face immediately. They haven't been that good against um when teams blitz and you know in terms of picking that up. So there's a lot of things that I think it's gonna be a defensive battle both ways because there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that like the Jets struggle with that the Dolphins do well in. Like the Jets, the Dolphins play a lot of man. The Jets struggled against the Broncos, ran a lot of man. The Patriots ran a lot of man. You know what I'm saying? They they struggled like in, in those in, in those games offensively. Um, but then also the Jets D line is should have a lot of success against the um Dolphins offensive line. You know what I'm saying? So like there's I, I anticipate this being a low scoring game. Um yeah, because uh the I mean I just know that the Dolphins defense should come to play. Um because you know they're riding high right now, man. Like they've been playing really good football. They come with really good game plans and they've been executed. So, you got a score prediction for me? <sighs> um, uh, I got the Jets winning. You got the Jets? Oh, wait, wait, wait. You said all that? You got the Jets winning? Yeah, I got the Jets winning. Um, 2017. Oh, that old line. I had no confidence in the offensive line. They're going. To, they're going to, have to show me. Um. Yeah, I got the Jets winning. Low scoring game. Um. Because because if it's close enough, if Zach Wilson plays, I expect him to make some. Because Zach Wilson gets better as the game goes on. Like it's really like gets like his like the difference between him in the first half and the second half are two totally different quarterbacks so he's getting more comfortable and he'll take more chances. And I feel that he'll be able to make a play here and there and, you know, pull out the win. So I got the – I mean, I got the Jets winning. I got the Jets winning. Um, it pains me to say it, but – I'm sure they're going to be on your head tomorrow. It, it, it <laughs> it's not my fault. Maybe this is a competent offensive line. And then maybe I would have been like, oh, yeah, this offensive win. But – they got a they got a terrible offensive line, so I don't. I, I low scoring game. Dolphins defense do enough. 
but the offense, um, you know, costs them the game. So that's where I'm at. Man, all right. I guess I guess it's my turn. I'm, I'm gonna go with the the Dolphins, and I say that with minimal confidence, and not not just because uh, not for any like specific reason, other than like it's been a weird season, especially a weird pa- past couple weeks. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, like could the Dolphins? I mean, I think it'll be close regardless. Um, but I'll go with the Dolphins, maybe like twenty six, twenty three. I mean, if the Jets. Excuse me. If the Jets win this game, I mean, I would not be surprised at all. Just because, like I said, this this year has been so weird. Um, right. Some of these results. Um, but the I Dolphins think, did lose the Jaguars, so it's not like yeah, yeah exactly. Not- so, so nothing. Yeah, not, nothing. Nothing should be a surprise at this point. Um, but I, I, but I do really think that the defense is starting to like really get to its groove. I think that they'll, you know, they'll give the Jets some issues. Um, and again, it's like I mean, the Dolphins have to eventually. They have, to, they have to eventually hit on some of these big plays, man. Like, they, they have to. I mean, if not this week, I mean, they, they're able to do it last week, albeit against some busted coverages, but if they can't do it this weekend, I mean, when are they going to do it? You know what I'm saying? All righty, man. I, I mean, as a fan, I hope you're right. <laughs> I got you. I got you, man. It's definitely going to be a fun, fun weekend. I'm glad to – Really excited to to go out there and to you know finally see you in person. Um, and I want to say thank you for joining me on this week's edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. To the listeners, thank you. We'll be back again next week to do this again. But until then, you guys take care. Bye.